0: So I got up way too early, and I had my uh, double dose of espresso, get the old system moving, waited for the sun to poke its head up, and then I says to myself, self, it's time for a run. I put on my new Brooks glycerins, and I step out the door, and I look up, and the good Lord has painted an incredible rainbow right outside my door. So it's just like, what? I want to wake everybody up, but I don't think that would have made much for a rainbowy day in my house. <laughs> so here was this incredible, like I was just like so excited, and I, I, I got pretty good time on my run, I think. So I run down that, and I, I live over by Rona, so there's all sorts of trails. You go behind Grace Point Church, come out onto Crescent Road, dash for your life as cars are whipping by, and then you get onto Nickelmeckle uh, River, the trail, oh, and into, into that farmhouse area, Stuart Farmhouse, It's just absolutely incredible. Just love where we live. And as I'm going down that trail, I'm passing by groups of people that are chit-chattering. They have a little bit in common, whatever, it might be a walking group or a running group from the running room, whatever it is. But you just see groups of people, and as I pass them or go by just greeting them, and my feet are crunching on, if you can believe it, red and orange leaves already. Didn't summer just start? Oh, my goodness. But anyway, I continue to go on, and I see more stuff. I see the incredible, which still blows my mind, the tide out effects of Nicolmeco River, and I can see the mud and all the golf balls that this Mennonite wants to get and sell, right? <laughs> so there's just so much eye candy on my trail. I just can't believe it. And then finally, I just start my... Ascend or descend? I'm not sure. My descend into the run, but my ascend, because I live on a hill, it's the worst. Save the worst for last, is that the saying? But nonetheless, I kick it into gear to go up the hill, and then it was like the good Lord he first started me off with a rainbow, and as I'm coming up the hill, it all of a sudden, <coughs> there's just this earth-shattering thunder. And that gets me to think of my dad, because my dad, too, like he died when I was three, but he would say to my, um, to my family, apparently, that that's one of the ways that he always knew God cared is when he felt that thunder that would shake his chest and he just knew God pays attention and he's got this. That was kind of my run the other day. I I was so good. And one of the things that I got to thinking about this week is how often do we take time to wonder? How often do we take time to wonder? Wonder is almost illegal now. In fact, it, when you get home, Globe and Mail has this fantastic article about article about sexual dysphoria and there's actually a a professor that's in trouble. Her writing was in the journal, and now the journal is reviewing it, and they're wondering about her status as a professor. Why? Because she's wondering, and she's going, why is it that there's such a trend to now question our sexuality, and this whole dysphoria, and these kids can go into a doctor's office as a 12-year-old girl, 13-year-old girl, and they'll never be asked about trauma, they'll never be asked about mental illness, but within the same uh, doctor's appointment, they may actually get a prescription for hormones or hormonal changes. Shut up. Don't wonder. Don't wonder. And I'm beginning to think that that's one of the callings of the church, is don't lose your wonder. Don't lose your ability to think. You know what, and I've quoted it so many times, don't be trans, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by yeah, renewing of your mind. This is so terribly important. Ravi Zachariah says wonder is retained by wise pondering. Unless we think, or unless we learn to think and reflect on things above, we will reflect on the hollowness of a world moving fast, but really slow to think. We've got to think, we've got to think, we've got to wonder. You look at the kiddos, how, how so often we ruin kids. They're born and they're just so fun and they do crazy stuff. They do things that you and I only dream about doing. I wonder what sound this makes. <laughs> what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? But they wonder and they do. And then when we get a hold of them and teach them all this discipline, how to be boring and how to be adult, you know? But yet, I think we got something to learn from our kids about wonder. Years ago, I was in El Ferrito, in Mexico, And there I was, and I was absolutely stunned and wondering what is with these kids. These kids were dodging nasty potholes, garbage dumps. um, I don't know what that was. Dead dog over there. And they're running with this this rope carrying a box. And they're going, they're, they're having way more fun than my kids at Christmas, right? And they are just giving her, and I could hardly wait to see what was in the box. Nothing was in the box. <laughs> but they were full of wonder. They were full of wonder. And I think we've lost the art of pondering, of wondering, and I think that's a really, really big deal. In fact, in, in Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I think even there, there's, there he's given us permission, and he's telling us, grab that thought, put it in prison. Now think about it. Is this a thought that's glorifying to God? Does this bring you joy? Or does this bring you almost like a prison-like feel of c- captivity? That, ah, you've got to do what culture is telling you to do. And here, this is an incredible portion of Scripture that was written so many years ago. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against God. And how do we do that? By taking captive these thoughts. And by thinking and by pondering and by wonder. Wonder, it's so terribly important. Change your thinking, you change your worship, you change your worship, you change your thinking. So I want to take us into Acts. Acts chapter 2. It's always scary to go into Acts because then somebody's going to read this and they'll go, why doesn't our church do that? Right? But this isn't prescriptive, this is descriptive. So he's not saying that you must do this. What happened here is the Holy Spirit of God came with the Acts of the Apostles. So now the Holy Spirit is gone, and Jesus has risen up into the clouds, and everybody's going like, what in the world? And then all of a sudden, it's all coming together because he says, I have to leave so that I can send somebody to be with you, the comforter, the one who comes alongside, the pericleo. So the pericleo, he comes alongside, and now we see what happens when people are abandoned to the Holy Spirit of God. We see what happens when people actually are changed from the inside out. You guys, the background of Acts is really incredible. We are surrounded by people that have been living under and have a history of captivity. They have a history of being under the thumb of some kind of government. They have a history of religion, but not relationship. They have a history of saying, yes, yes, no, whatever I have to do to change and make God like me. They have a history of making sure that the outside looks good, but who cares what happens on the inside? Jesus said, kind of the Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs. Beautiful on the outside, but the inside is like the smell of dead bones. And how often does that describe us? We're getting ready for kickoff Sunday. You went into your closet, you grabbed that nice shirt, and you put on that little squirt of perfume or whatever it might be, and you show up here with a smile, but actually you don't, want to be here or it could be that you're plagued because you grew up in a household where it was do this do that and it was all about religion who really cares what's going on inside your heart i'm hoping that today we realize and we throw out to you guys that part of the purposes of the church is to make sure this very thing is that however we grow we always grow from the inside out because that's what god's interested in jesus wants to do a work in your heart even today in the days to come and he wants it from the inside out from the inside out so with that in mind acts chapter 2 starting at verse 42 here we go all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship and to sharing in meals including the lord's supper and to prayer let's stop there for a second i like this new living translation because, first of all, I can understand it. It's put into really, like, grade two English, so I get it. And also, I like what it said here, because sometimes what we see here, all the believers devote themselves to apostle teaching, fellowship, and to, sh- and to sharing in meals. Oftentimes, in other, um, in other translations, it talks about to the Lord's Supper, and we only think that we've got to do communion, got to do communion, and it's got to be separate. But here, it almost seems as though these folks are together. They're loving being together, like... We have freedom, even though we still might be a captive to somebody, even though religion is all around us. We have this thing called the Holy Spirit, and Jesus did what on the cross? And now we come together, and we're sharing prayers, we're sharing stories, we're sharing food together, and let's just have communion. This All of a sudden, this Passover meal, this isn't just something about a lamb. Or, this is the Passover lamb. Jesus Christ gave his life, Died on the cross for our sins. The broken bread is a symbol of his broken body. And here we have the wine or the juice, which is a symbol of a new covenant of inside out what Jesus wants to do in our lives. Love it. Continue on. And into prayer, he says, prayer is a big deal. Verse 42. Verse 43, he says, A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miracles or miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. We're going to try that today. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And another thing that's put in there is not only generosity, but what it also means is a sincere hearts. So it's not just about giving money or giving stuff. It's sincere hearts. It actually comes even with a little bit of a, a feeling of sharing their time, sharing their stories, sharing their lives with one another. Isn't that cool? You guys, this is quite different. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, what happened? And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So a whack load of people were coming to Christ, a whole bunch of people, churches were popping up all over the place, lots of people were being saved, because like, what? They saw a whole bunch of people that were grabbed by wonder. People that all of a sudden weren't in it just for outside appearance, but more what's happening in their heart people that were ready to be generous, people that were ready to pray, people that were ready to worship, people that were ready to fellowship, people that were ready to share their stories of, what, of the freedom they had in Jesus Christ, people that were ready to give up time to disciple others and help them understand something they saw in the Word of God. Really exciting stuff. So, unabashedly, I share something that uh, not all of you are big fans of Rick Warren, but hey, that guy's done some pretty cool stuff. And he shares five principles that he gets out of this portion of Scripture. And uh, he says, number one, churches grow warmer through fellowship. Churches grow deeper through discipleship. Churches grow stronger through worship. Churches grow broader through ministry. And churches grow larger... Through evangelism. Interesting. And I think all of this we have to keep in mind that God's house will be a house of what? Prayer. We sometimes forget that. In fact, I've said before that if you phone the church and you say, can I speak to Pastor Steve? And and Tan says, well, he's busy. Or what's he up to? He's praying. Well, tell him I'm calling. You'd be like, who cares if he's praying? Interrupt him. Right? But if I would be doing accounting or paperwork, then you, oh, okay, he's busy. But when it comes to prayer, that's one of those odd things that's like, how do you measure praying? But there's something pretty mysterious and wondrous about it. He calls us to pray. He calls us to connect with him. And it seems as though when we do that, not only does it bring a clarity to our relationship with the Almighty God, it seems to bring a clarity in our relationships with one another And with ourselves because we're connecting with the very one who made us i love it so churches grow warmer through fellowship we're going to touch on that in just a little bit but fellowship is uh, that word koinonia. so coming together with purpose coming together to hear each other's stories coming together to share your sorrows pains and excitements it's real fellowship it's not just talking about the weather it's getting to know one another and enjoying each other and being there for one another Churches grow deeper through discipleship, which I'll touch on in just a bit. But uh, one thing that I used to do is I used to work off the edge of three uh, indigenous reserves. And there's a certain church group that would come in, set up tents, and they would, they would play their instruments and clap their hands and get all sorts of in indigenous kids pumped. And then they'd leave after the week. And then after that, the kids would have to go get their advice from the witch doctor because they didn't know there was no discipleship there. And that was convicting for me too because I had a kiddo at that Bible camp. He gave his life to Christ and it was really cool. Neil was pumped and the next year I saw him. That's exactly what he says is that pretty much that he didn't know where to go to. He only had the witch doctor to ask for advice. He he was not discipled because I was there one week. I'd come back next year one week. That's not discipleship. So there's a cost to giving your heart to Christ. I'm not going to lie here. There's a cost to living for Christ. It's messy. Why? Because there's other people involved. And you are involved. And we're messed up, aren't we? No amens? (laughs) Amen from me, you know. We all go through our own stuff and we need one another. We need one another. Fellowship of being together, holding things in common, uh, being willing to sacrifice for others. And the big deal is it's motivated by love. It's motivated, motivated by what's happening inside. It's not because the church says so. It's not because you can pray to get somebody out of purgatory. None of that stuff. It's because of what's happening from the inside out. Jesus Christ has changed your life, and there's this intrinsic motivation now to serve others because of what Christ has done for you. That's a big deal. Just take a moment. How many things in your life, good things in your life, have you done? Because A, you want somebody to see you, Or B, you know, maybe you grew up that way and your mama told you to do that. Or C, perhaps you're hoping God takes notice and goes, nice job, Stevie, good job, and he'll like me more. Intrinsic motivation is really a big deal as we see in the gospel. We see a fellowship, this common union. I like this because in the free church, which we're a part of, we're... we're, We're uh, White Rock Community Church, but undercover in small letters. We're the Evangelical Free Church of Canada. And what I like about it, because I grew up Mennonite. I went to a Southern Baptist seminary. I've served in Fellowship Baptist. I've run all over the place, right? But what's really cool about Free Church, you guys, is that we like to say it, and hopefully we're getting better and better at it. We major on the majors, and we minor on the minors. We major on the majors, and we minor on the minors, which means we've stolen this from church history. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, charity or love but in all things, Jesus Christ. So I love it. So the big tent of the free church is pretty cool because, uh, for instance, Wade and Adele are right over there, and I think I've known them for 20 years. And uh, they were in some kind of church in Alberta, was it? And I was also in southern Alberta, and now they're out here, and now you're going to hear their story that God is calling them elsewhere. But he might have a totally different view of end times than I do. Or who knows, Adele might have a totally different view of how to reach people than I do, and I might be making her nervous. I don't know. But we have this tent of we love one another because we, the very serious and immovable things is we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We believe he's coming back again. We believe in the authority of Scripture. Those things we hold in common so we can high-five and have coffee anytime. And the small things are, hmm, I'm not sure what to think about this but Dale might have his opinion, Kathy might have her opinion, but it's okay, let's break bread together. And I love that. I love that about the free church, and I think that makes a whole lot of sense. The powerful sense of the divine presence and outpoured love through the Holy Spirit creates a new attitude towards stuff and even personal property. Here in this description of what's happening in Acts is the Holy Spirit of God has so grabbed their hearts that nothing... Nothing is untouched, their emotions, their thoughts toward people that are holding them captive, their thoughts about God, their thoughts about their spouse, their thoughts about who they are, and even their stuff. Crazy. All of a sudden they realize, well, I got a really nice house here, but hmm, I've got an extra room, or I don't need this big house, or I got two lawnmowers or whatever, and they just start to think of others. And it's not external. It's not like, well, the church fathers will notice this and maybe I'll get a you know, better slice of the pie later. No, it's like the Holy Spirit of God has awakened something in their souls. I've been excited this last week because like I said, and I'm joshing this morning, but there's been a lot of volunteers that have just stood up just in the last week or, or two. And I'm going to throw this out there that I bet you your Christian dis- discipleship will be richer if you get involved. I kid you not. you got to get off that, what is that? That's not a pew anymore. Uh, that cushy chair. And uh, get involved. And some of you say, well, I have a limp or I'm 90 years old. or ah. <laughs> I don't care. There's always something for you to do. There's always something for you to do. I mean, my mama, she wondered, why doesn't God take me anymore? Because she had dementia. She had so many things wrong with her. And I wondered the same sometimes. I'm going, God, why, you know? But I tell you, young people, when they come and fly in from Calgary, and they only had a few days to visit their family, they would go out of their way to visit my mom because of the impact that old lady had. Or they knew that mom, in her lucid moments, would pray for them. Like it's crazy. Or they needed a little dose of humility, which is also a beautiful ministry or or characteristic of the Holy Spirit of God. I don't care if you think you're too old or too lame or too this or too that. God is doing something, and He sent the Holy Spirit of God to change you from the inside out. Now pay attention, because He wants to use you. He wants to use you, and your Christian discipleship will get richer. On that note, what does it look like to have churches that are warmer in fellowship, that are deeper in discipleship, stronger in worship, and that grow broader in ministry and larger because of evangelism? So on that note, I'm going to ask Harmon to come on up here. I'm going to put him on the spot. And he's sorry because he asked me if uh, he can make an announcement today. I said, nope, unless you comment on how fellowship in the church has impacted your life. This is be it good. was a
1: setup, um, but uh, yes. In case you're wondering, I lost a fight yesterday. The Clippers won. <laughs> um, and so, you know, yes. Yeah, so, Steve put me on the spot, and so as I'm as I asked simply to make an announcement, uh, I got uh, you know Last roped second. into yep. it. So, in, in, at the risk of uh, screwing this up, I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna read. Okay, so forgive me, but just for a moment. Uh, The mystery and privilege that is Christian fellowship is that it exists because God has enabled it by his grace. Those who believe the gospel are united in the spirit through Christ to the Father and that unity is the basis of fellowship. This relationship is described by Jesus in his high priestly prayer for his followers. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The complete unity he refers to uh, is the oneness that Christians experience in true fellowship. Oneness with one another, with Christ and with the Father. Just as the Father is in Jesus, so Jesus is in us and we have unity with one another because of the uniqueness of that relationship so you know what so the isn't it great to be together yep right and that's kind of been the theme that's reoccurred not only in our board meetings but you know when we talk with each other it's just good to be together and you know this this um this unique oneness, I I, I think that, you know, as I look around, I mean, he mentioned it, like, we're all messed up, and I said amen, not as loudly as he did, but (laughs) it goes for me as well. So, even in our brokenness, even in our incompleteness, we can, you know, Jesus himself prayed that we would have a unique uh, oneness, Mm -hmm. and this fellowship that we enjoy when we're here together, and in the various communities, uh, you know, impact me in a way that You'll never understand how blessed I feel when I'm in community here with you t- this morning uh, in the small groups uh, that we, you know, we will, we've had and will launch and be, be part of. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's uh, you, know, you know, I think about, you know, the, the, the beauty of simply, you know, this oneness that we enjoy in Christ, right? It gives me confidence. It gives me courage, uh, knowing that you're standing with me, we're one, you know, we're all, we have this common, it, it, it makes me, um, you know, strive as I watch your lives, and as you share that, and you're open with me, it, it, it just makes me want to, you know, serve the Lord more, mm. um, to, you know, when I see how, you know, you deal with your trials, and, 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 and your sorrows, and it gives me hope that I'm not alone in this, like we all have this. And and so fellowship, you know, again, uh, when we're together, it's a beautiful, you know, it's really a beautiful answer to Jesus' priestly, high priestly prayer. And uh, so not only this morning, but like I said, in small groups, and also, uh, you know, um, Steve alluded to it again this morning, you know, I I have the wonderful privilege of... um, being in a with a group of guys often on a Saturday morning uh, to and we, we cycle together. And uh, sometimes I go, Dan, what did you get me into? But uh, more often than not, I go, Yeah, this is fantastic. And so one of the you know one of the communities that where I get to enjoy fellowship. And I, you know if you want to know more and join us, please uh, in the bulletin, give me a call. I'd be love to share that with you. But you know one of the things we come together is that we ride. Uh, on September the 29th, in support of uh, Stand as One Ministry. And, um, you know, again, Dan and Irene, who um, you get to, get to uh, run, I, I don't know, I, they're, they're going to hate me for the way I describe their role, but, uh, you know, it's their ministry, it's God's ministry, where they get to serve in that ministry and the wonderful work that they're doing, in particular in Malawi. Um, you know, the thing that struck me uh, when, when Dan and I first talked about this and, uh, is that, you know, there's a soy milk feeding program. And the thing that stuck with me is that we don't just give money so we can give kids who need nourishment a nutritious cup of soy milk. But it goes beyond that. Dan and Irene work with these kids and, and, and these uh, people and make it self-sustainable. So they help them ultimately take care of themselves. And Dan has just got back from there. And he was, you know, telling me in the two minutes that we talked this morning about the amazing work. Not only are we feeding them the nutrition they need, but we're feeding them spiritually. So I would invite you, uh, you know, to find out a little bit more about this Ride for Refuge and uh, come and see me. But, you know, we'd love to have you, you know, join on September 29 to walk with us or cycle with us or simply pray, you know, that everybody would be safe and that, you know, we can raise money in support of uh, kids and babies and people in Malawi Um, and uh, enjoy, you know, the fellowship, make make Malawi an extension of the beautiful fellowship that we enjoy on a regular basis. So thank you.
0: Thank you. If I can be so bold, too, is uh, Harmon is our chairman, and uh, I've also seen, hopefully I don't get in trouble for this, but I've also seen Harmon in action when there has been a lack of fellowship, when there's been broken fellowship, when there's been a a group or a person that uh, his heart is heavy because something's not right in the fellowship. That's part of fellowship, too, you guys, because we love each other and we care. We don't just walk away when we see somebody... Uh, not holding up their part or something's not right in their marriage or something's not right in their relationships. We care enough in fellowship that the lack of fellowship or that brokenness in fellowship bothers us enough that we pray about it and we look for opportunities to share. And sometimes the Holy Spirit of God say, okay, it's time to share or it's time to be quiet. But whatever that is, that's a beautiful part of fellowship. Another one that we've seen in uh, Acts 2 verse 42 and on, is not only fellowship, but discipleship. And discipleship is really cool. I'll share with you just a couple stories, but I started uh, full-time ministry in Picture Butte, Alberta, and there was a guy named Rick Arkell there who actually came from Herbert, Saskatchewan. He had the gift of evangelism, which was blowing my mind. He was a short guy, so um, we listened to his sermon, but his son wouldn't listen to his sermon. His son would only listen to and, and count how many times he went up on his I was haunches like this because he was so pumped. He'd talk about the word of the Lord. And he says, Dad, that was 42. Oh, come on, kid, you know? <laughs> so it was so funny. But I really learned how to share Christ uh, with folks. And not only that, that guy was so caring for me. As a young, young pastor, if I was struggling with my thought life, if I was struggling with lust or whatever it might be, I could phone that guy and he just said, come on over. And we'd get on our motorbikes and we would just rip-roar or we'd sit down and we'd ch- chit-chat. I learned so much of heart stuff from Rick Arkell and then I moved over to this church and you know Dave Edwards was here and there was a lot of stuff I didn't know about doing ministry and it was cool that his door was open and I learned how to do stuff like funerals and weddings and and how to how to go around certain things and how to do ministry and uh, you know Dave was a big part of that I also remember walking with some youth, and in, in, I couldn't believe this, but we had this family move out from Chilliwack, wherever that is, to Picture Butte, Alberta, wherever that is. And I just remember that uh, this one guy, he was huge. I always wanted him on my team when it came to, um, when it came to playing soccer and stuff because I just gave him the ball. He was over 300 pounds, but you would never mention it, or he'd squash you, man. He was, he was a meaty guy, amazing. And uh, he, he actually applied to come to our Mexico missions trip Uh, to Vicente Guerrero. And it was interesting because I had no clue that the quite the long time that I knew him, every day he was on drugs. I had no clue. So if you know anything about crossing the border and going into Mexico, you probably don't want to bring drugs across the border. (laughs) Like that stuff makes me so nervous. You know, I'm driving the bus and then all of a sudden some Yahoo... What?! Holy moly, Mexican prison, I I hear it's not that great, right? So here he committed himself, he wanted to go so badly that he cut himself himself off of pot or whatever he was doing. And you know what? I understood why he was doing pot, like he didn't have the wherewithal to know how to deal with what was going on in his family life. But I do remember looking back, even the grumpy, some of the grumpiness he had on that bus ride because he was without his, you know, drug. I remember sitting there in a chapel in an orphanage, and I was playing my guitar, leading worship. And I just remember uh, just enjoying it, having my eyes closed, flowing into D. All my songs were in D, you know, that's all I could play. And, uh, and I finally lifted up my, my, my eyes, and I opened my eyes, and there, Errol, he eclipsed everything because, boy, that guy was entered into worship. His hands were raised and the tears were streaming down his face. It was such an incredible portion for me that I actually felt it was such a holy moment that I needed to shut my eyes again. That I was, that I was seeing something that was for Errol and the Lord. You know what I'm saying? That was such a holy moment for me. And it was neat because I just got to walk alongside that guy. And that was part of discipleship. Just working with some of the glaring stuff that he was dealing with, putting up with some stuff. On that same trip was a kid that didn't get many chances because he was actually on his way becoming an NHL uh, um, hockey player. And then on the farm one day, he was in the back of the pickup, like a lot of the farmers do. They went ripping down the field, and all of a sudden had an accident. He went out and he banged his head, and he had absolutely brain damage ever since. And he had a a short fuse, you know, big temper and all that stuff. And they asked, can he go on your missions trip? Uh, You know, but you know what? We worked it out. And this wasn't easy. This was going on a bus all the way from uh, Alberta to Mexico. And it was hot. Sometimes we, like, we didn't have an air-conditioned bus. So going through Vegas is 120 degrees. So you had 40 kids in there. You'd think it was a party. No, not 120 degrees. I mean, if you have trouble controlling your kid, just turn up the heat. Holy moly, they just sat there and shriveled. It was awesome. (laughs) Discipleship and worship. That was worship, connecting with God, connecting with the Holy Spirit, and seeing how the Lord was pulling off a miracle in Errol something that I hadn't even seen and I hadn't understood. I remember as this fun, uh, jovial youth pastor and trying to keep it all together, I remember when he talked to me about some of the things that was happening in his home, and I actually had to move away. I had 40, 50 kids, and I had to go into the photocopy room because I started crying. But it was a holy moment, a worshipful moment, because God was doing something in these kiddos, and God was doing something in me. Worship, I, I, I'm sure that Tennyson, if I don't say this, he'll be ragging on me big time. Worship just isn't what's happening right here. Worship really, when you break it down, it's ascribing worthship, ship So when you ascribe to God his worth to you, you will be changed. And it's not just Sunday morning. It's if you're in studies, in your relationships, in your friendships, in your Bible reading, in your relationship with your wife or husband, when you're going for a run, going for a walk, and you are ascribing to God his worship, how, how much he's worth to you. Worship really is a lifestyle. And it's worshiping the Lord can help us when we're bringing the ministry of peace and reconciliation to a, a really hyped up world that where we're apparently not supposed to think. But let's think. And let's be motivated by this intrinsic Holy Spirit who's changing us and who has changed us and wants to continue to change and bring the treasure of the good news to other people all around us. It's exciting stuff that we get to be a part of. How about ministry? And this is really off the cuff, real quick. But how many of you have been impacted by ministry of somebody just taking notice and ministering to you? Does anybody have a quick story? And I mean quick. If you go on and on, I'm going to have to shut her down. Okay, But just anybody, have you been ministered to when it comes to ministry within the church? In the nursery. nursery. Do you have a specific little thingy? Right on. Shannon says, working in the nursery, all the other volunteers that help and join her, taking care of the kiddos. nice, at Camp Luther, right, yeah, yeah, we had a special time at the camp, we uh, were able to hang out with kids, play games with them, worship, and bring the good news, and I'll tell you, little kiddos, man, grade four and fives, they were coming to the front to receive Christ, or putting their arms around their friends, and praying over their friends, amazing, and Dale, as a dad, got to be a, a part of that, it was really cool. So that's two people that have experienced ministry. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and she
2: oh <laughs> and she um she shared a scripture and encouraged me to memorize it, and it was um, the scripture about the armor of God. And just, I always still pray that over my family all the time, and I think of her often, like, that she shared that with me, that she took the time to, we were, like, sharing with her, I would help her with her pain and her body, and and then she would share scripture with me and, and how to use that to, make it effective in my life. So I think of Lois often and just that special bond we had there. It was a short time, but I felt that she ministered to me in the time that, you know, we were just reaching out to each other. So
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Michelle.
2: I remember um, going through or being ministered to when I was a teenager and in home ec class. <laughs> <laughs> And one of the other students, Bev, um, she was a pastor's daughter. And uh, we sat there one day after class, after home at class, and she started to cry. And she started telling me all about Jesus and how he died on the cross for me. And she was just crying. And I, I just remembered, like, I couldn't take my eyes off her. And I was so moved that someone would love God so much. And that always, like, really stood... Um, I always remembered her for that, you know? So even as a little teenager, what an incredible impact teenagers can have Mm. with other teenagers.
0: Awesome. Tennyson put you on the spot. Uh, His main job is FedEx, and uh, without giving a lot of detail, but you've had a really cool ministry over there.
3: Really on the spot. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I could tell it for you. (laughs) Okay, um, uh, so I, I do work at FedEx when I'm, when I'm not here. And uh, I, I remember we, uh, as a staff, we went to our retreat. Uh, this staff here at White Rock Community Church, we went to retreat. And one thing that we started to pray is that, Lord, you are at work in the world already. But we want to be a part of it. So open up our eyes to where you are already working so that we can be a part of it. So I started to pray that quite often, and um, the the amount of awesome God conversations that I started having at work was was absolutely incredible. From from a random driver that came in, you know, that uh, found out that that this is my my other uh, my other job here as a worship director. He said, "Yeah, like uh, you know, I've kind of went to church before, and I actually live next door to a pastor, you know, and I." Um, he's always trying to get me to come and whatnot, but I just feel so I feel like there's there's nothing that that God can um, I've done so many bad things that I God can never forgive me you know uh, because he said that he was like in the Marines and you know he saw some awful things and done some awful things and he just felt that he was unforgivable Hmm. and you know I said well you're not you know Uh, think about when Jesus died on the cross, he, he was hung next to a murderer. He was hung next to a thief and you know, he, um, he forgave them and they went into paradise, you know, and, and, uh, the same way that he forgave them, he can forgive you. And he wants to forgive you if mm-hmm. you just ask for it. And, um, I never saw him again, <laughs> but I just remember him being so overwhelmed that he actually stopped talking and just went out the door. Oh. Um, and that's just one of the many awesome moments that I've I've seen uh, through these conversations. Uh, people opening up to me about about their their childhood and what they've gone through. I remember there was one lady that um, uh, that literally flew flew from her country with nothing but the the clothes on her back and a backpack, and um, the, the amount of horrific stuff that she went through. And she was telling me about. Uh, how when she first came to Canada, you know, um, she was feeling so broken up inside and she went for a walk and went into a church and immediately just felt so at peace and, um, and ended up talking to the pastor for for probably like two hours in her very, very broken English and just remember walking out of there just totally at peace. And you know, I was able to affirm that and continue to talk to her about it
0: even to this day. You know, so there's a lot of cool ministry. Awesome. And that, that to me is another sermon in itself, but another, um, another reason, you guys, why we always have to be ready to share the hope that we have within us. Because I was saying to somebody else this morning, when you have a teenager and stuff, and uh, I remember this with Kai, is uh, y- you could go a long time without any meaningful conversation. I have a 21-year-old. Uh, but then all of a sudden he wants to talk at midnight. Guess what I want to do at midnight? I'm sleeping but I gotta be ready to listen and share the hope, to share what's going on inside of me that will hopefully spill out onto a kiddo. There's so many more stories in here, but we gotta keep moving. In fact, there is this unique couple in here that has been a part of pastoring, a part of uh, making money on the side. I think, I think you made my shirts for me when we went to, to Mexico. Uh, they've been a big part of the Evangelical Free Church of Canada head office here. And now all of a sudden he tells me that they're on to something else. So I'm curious, and I'm sure you are too, and I think it has a lot to do with the movement of God and the Holy Spirit in their lives, and probably a little bit of care and ministry and fellowship, and I'm guessing also some evangelism. So you two are on, and let let us know what's going on.
4: Thank you. (laughs) All right. Keeps reminding me I'm shorter than him. <laughs> so we are Adele and Wade Hammond. Wade is a personnel director at the FCCM. And, uh, but last fall we felt the Lord nudging us. I teach ESL and I was teaching at Trinity Western University. And I loved my job. And Wade loved his job. But somehow we felt an unsettledness in our spirits. And This has happened in our lives before, where we felt something nudging us, and there was, like, what's going on here? So we were paying attention this time, maybe because of our age. (laughs) We were paying attention. What is God trying to do? And God um, directed us, and I'll let Wade tell you more about that. Back in 1984, we went to Bible college after feeling God calling us at a Bible camp. And mm. six weeks later, we packed up our kids, moved to uh, Miller College, went there for three years. And at the end of three years, we were asked if we would become missionaries. And I had a couple of kids that were still pretty small, and I said, "You know, when my kids are done high school, our oldest son turned 40 this year. He's now out of high school, <laughs> so we're ready to take the next step." <laughs> just out of high school, eh? just <laughs> <laughs> so. It's been a journey for us, Uh, where we've gone for the last five years. I've worked as a personnel director for the Free Church Home Mission, so people apply to go overseas somewhere, and I watch them go out the door, and they report back on all the things they're doing, and I say, oh, someday I want to do that. And someday was thinking, well, when we finally get to be 65, we haven't quite reached that, but both of us have a six at the start of our age, so we're getting closer, (laughs) But God has actually been working in our life, saying it's time to move on, time to do something new. And we're going to go down to Armasil, Mexico, and uh, there's a free church down there, Arbol de Vida, started about 25 years ago, not quite, as a church plant, Arvid Olson was the director at the time that had the vision for a church to be there, and uh, that ministry is continuing to go. Uh, It's exciting. We were there in February, saw what God was doing, and said, wow, uh, we could help. We can be a part of what this is, and there's a number of things that we we can do, but one is there's a, a national missionary attends that church there, has a missionary to university students in uh, Sonora, uh, University of Sonora, it's the state university. It's a large university, about 30 to 40,000. I've tried to get a number and nobody gives me exact number, but it's big. And uh, he goes in, makes friendships with students, and then takes them off campus because you can't proselytize on campus, takes them off campus, and does things like alpha studies with them. Mm. And uh, so uh, an evangelism outreach. He said, oh, it would be so cool if we can do an English ministry alongside that because there are so many people there that want to practice their English and want to learn more. And so that's what we're hoping to do. They're actually going to be up in Canada uh, this coming week. And uh, we're hoping to see them not this week but next week out in Alberta. And uh, so that's where I'm going to stop right now, except that are you going to ask me more questions or I just get to make one more announcement? Go for one more. One more announcement. (laughs) At the back, there's the sign-up sheet. If you'd like to receive our prayer letter and find out what we're all about, uh, just at the back, please take time to do that. The reward is there's a pen there. (laughs) Okay? The pen is free. You just pick it up and walk away with it. It has my name on it. It actually has Adele's name on it as well. We call them our prayer pens. And what we would ask is every time you pick up that pen and you see our name, you say a short prayer for us. You mentioned prayer earlier today. I've got so many stories that are just wild about people praying that uh, I'd love to share some with you. But I don't know how it works. I really don't. But it does. And if you pray for us, oh, that'd be awesome. If you want to find out more, take a prayer card. There's a newsletter there. we would send you more. we would be happy to talk with you. We're going to hang around for a little bit. Uh, here we have friends that said, "You're going to be a white rock. we're taking you to the boathouse for lunch, so we can't eat much of your barbecue, but we're going to be here till one o'clock before they get to the boathouse." So uh, anyways, please come and talk with us. We'd love
0: to tell you more what's going on. Right on. Thanks, Thank Steve. you guys.: Awesome.: Love it. And who, who was at that atmaseo uh, uh, before you were? Right. And was it Greg and Shelly now that have been called on to working with those kiddos that were burnt in that fire? So just like even that, like there was a horrible um, daycare or something like that, and there was a horrible fire, Uh, kids died and lots of kids had horrible burns. So now who used to direct where these guys are going are now taking care of these kiddos with burns and they're actually now planning a retreat into Canada here, bringing those kiddos out here to, you know, just a getaway camp experience. It's so cool how God works, you guys. And I think they nailed it. Are you paying attention? Tennyson said, too, God, you're at work. I want to be a part of it. But it all comes back down to wonder. It all comes back down to cultivating that, even what Wade said, I don't know how prayer works, but it works, and I got stories. So... Another thing, and I'll, I'll have to uh, shut it down here, but another opportunity that we have, we are so privileged to have the Watoto uh, Children's Choir coming here. Isn't that cool? So the Watoto uh, Children's Choir, what's uh, interesting about them is they travel around the world, uh, but each of the kiddos has been impacted by either a parent uh, dying from war or dying from AIDS. So we, actually, at some point, we're going to have a choir here, and then we actually get to house them, so we're going to be asking for billets. So let me tell you, you'd be crazy not to get a billet in your house because you're going to get two kiddos and an adult and uh, the opportunity to share uh, and be f- fellowshipping with somebody that's from across, halfway across the world in your own living room, like what a privilege it is, isn't it? So you guys, I hope it makes sense that we've got to have discipleship in our church. We've got to have fellowship. We've got to have evangelism, worship, and ministry. We've got to have these things. And all of it needs to be saturated in prayer and wonder. So what's God up to in your life? What is it that he wants you to take home today and wonder about? Does he want you to wonder about your connection with the good Lord? Have you been carrying this heavy, heavy guilt or, or the sense of religiosity that you must do, you must perform, you better do this or else? Have you been carrying a burden for a relationship that's broken and you need to give that to the Lord this morning? Have you stuck out your neck when it comes to fellowship? You're lonely or alone and it's just like it's time, God's saying, you know what, you need to approach somebody and get the ball rolling. What is it? That he's calling you to. But don't let wonder escape you, you guys. Wonder is such a big deal here. And it's really cool how the Lord added to the number of the church. So much in this, in this um, account in Acts. And I think he wants to do the same here. As we continue to grow in our fellowship. In our wonder. In our worship. In our discipleship and evangelism. What does he want to do here? Heavenly Father thank you for who you are and who you make us we're so excited because even today we heard a a number of different stories of how you're at work and Lord we do want to be a part of it we ask Lord Jesus that you continue to give us keen hearing a real uh, keen sense of paying attention because you are at work and Lord Jesus how is it that you want to work through small groups in our fellowship how is it that you want to use us in our story to tell somebody about the freedom they can have in Christ How is it that you want us to walk alongside somebody who might be a Christian but they just haven't grown because somebody that's gone through the ringer hasn't offered their services? How can we grow in worship, noticing you at work and realizing that whatever comes our way, we can respond to the glory of God? And how is it, like Wade was saying, how is it that maybe we can improve our prayer life realizing that, Lord, oh, You do stuff, you respond, and we have no clue how that works. But yet, Lord, we cast ourselves upon you. And then somehow our relationships get tighter with you, tighter with others, and even a better understanding of ourselves in Christ. Lord, thank you for today, and thank you for everybody that's in here today. And we just want to cap off our time together by singing praises to your mighty name.